0: Britain's conversation. This is LBC with Tom Swarbrick. Afternoon, it's Friday, it's quarter to five. The last email's been sent, the out of office is on. You've somehow managed to get petrol in the car and you haven't had to do the school run. Things couldn't be better. The weekend stretches out before you. Time then to settle in, relax back and luxuriate in Simon Marks american week well tom i've got great news for everyone beginning their weekend america is not going to default on its debts sparking a global financial meltdown at least not until december
1: there's a clear path to achieve raising the debt ceiling which must happen america must not ever default and doing it with democrats only.
0: Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate at the beginning of the week, saying paying America's debts, not our problem, Gov.
1: I implore them one more time not to play Russian roulette with the American economy. They need to do this. They have the time to do it. And the sooner they get about it, the better.
0: Now, see if you can spot the rhetorical similarity between what he was saying there and what President Biden was saying at the White House on Wednesday. Our markets
1: are rattled. America's savings are on the line. The American people, your savings, your pocketbook are directly impacted by this stunt. My Republican friends need to stop
0: playing Russian roulette with the U.S. economy. Ah, Russian roulette. There's been a lot of it about this week. President Biden was flanked there by some of America's titans of finance and commerce, darkly but accurately warning of the utter global disaster that would be sparked if America were ever to default.
2: I don't have insight on what the right legislative solution is, but I can tell you that from an economic perspective, we need to resolve this issue very quickly.
0: That's British-born Jane Fraser, the CEO of Citigroup and one of the most powerful women in New York financial circles.
2: America simply cannot default on the debt because the US Treasury market is the bedrock of our financial system domestically and, and globally. And defaulting is going to cause lasting damage to the credibility of the United States with investors and in financial markets around the world. So we just can't wait to the last minute to resolve this. Um, We are, simply put, playing with fire right now.
0: The matches, or the pistols, you can pick your metaphor, were finally set aside last night. The Republicans blinked, Mitch McConnell caving in to President Biden's demands that since so much of America's debt was run up by Republican presidents, not just Democrats, they should indeed allow a simple majority vote to keep the payments moving. But as with the threat of a government shutdown that was lifted only at the 11th hour last week, Week, the debt crisis will return to haunt Washington in December. And to think on your side of the Atlantic not having a turkey might be a problem. The idea that in Washington today a legislative triumph consists of just keeping the government open or not defaulting on America's debts is an extraordinary testament to the polarization that now paralyzes America's system of government. So on much bigger issues besetting the country, what can this white House or this Congress actually achieve?
2: During my time at Facebook, first working as the lead product manager for civic misinformation and later on counter espionage, I saw Facebook repeatedly encounter conflicts between its own profits and our safety.
0: Francis Hogan, the Facebook whistleblower, took Washington by storms this week, arguing that Facebook and its associated social media apps are not only pernicious, but that Mark Zuckerberg and his top executives know and understand they are pernicious. In chilling detail, backed up by tens of thousands of documents that she copied while she was still working for the company, she insisted that Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp now require by a government regulation in a bid to head off their negative impacts on democracy and society.
2: Almost no one outside of Facebook knows what happens inside of Facebook. The company intentionally hides vital information from the public, from the US government and from governments around the world. The documents I have provided to Congress prove that Facebook has repeatedly misled the public about what its own research reveals about the safety of children the efficacy of its artificial intelligence systems and its role in spreading divisive and extreme messages. I came forward because I believe that every human being deserves the dignity of the truth. The company's leadership knows how to make Facebook and Instagram safer, but won't make the necessary changes because they have put their astronomical profits before people. Congressional action is needed. They won't solve this crisis without your help.
0: It felt like a landmark moment, and certainly after the hearing, there were fresh calls for change. Senator Amy Klobuchar, a Democrat from Minnesota, was collared in a Capitol Hill corridor by my colleague Kate Fisher for Channel Four News.
2: Senator Klobuchar has Facebook got too powerful? Yes, their dominant platform. Um, literally, we have passed no privacy legislation this right. Congress,
0: and we have not yet done anything about consolidation. When you have one dominant platform, you should not be surprised when this kind of stuff happens. What can you do about it as a it Privacy legislation, make the algorithms more transparent. But what are the chances any of that might actually happen? After all, this is a government that can only just keep its own lights on. Mark Zuckerberg certainly seemed unfazed this week, insisting that Ms. Hogan had painted a false picture. Claims that the company prioritizes profits over the public good are just not true, he said. And Facebook insisted that Ms Hogan had never been involved in executive level decision making, a position that conveniently ignores the fact that she's got tens of thousands of internal documents backing up the allegations that she's making. Mr Zuckerberg's more immediate problems, however, appear to be forming a search party to find Nick Clegg, his conspicuously absent Vice President of Global Affairs, and keeping his business running after Facebook's spectacular six-hour crash just on Monday. Top tip from me, if you're not on it, you don't even notice when it's down. What was unmissable this week was more dire news for President Biden. President Biden's poll numbers are, to use the technical term, not good. You can say that again, CNN. This was the week when Joe Biden's approval rating cratered to just 38% in the latest Quinnipiac University poll. And bear in mind, that's an opinion poll the Republicans often grouse is soft on Democrats. Over on reliably right-wing Newsmax TV, host Rob Schmidt was popping the champagne corks. Some pollsters had him in the 60s when he first came in. During his first six months in office, he was generally in the mid-50s, pretty strong numbers. Now we're at 38. According to Quinnipiac, you are watching the Titanic go down. Certainly, the poll contained no good news for the White House. Joe Biden is underwater on every single issue. 55% of the country believe he is not competent in government and disapprove of his handling of the economy. 56% say he is not a good leader. 67% disapprove of his handling of immigration. 58% disapprove of his foreign policy. And drill into the numbers on afghanistan and the poll shows that the white house is flat out wrong if it believes americans are going to overlook the botched u.s military withdrawal fewer than one voter in three now believes the u.s was right to pull all its troops out we're we're all angry we're shocked at how fast america's in decline conservative talk radio host wayne allen root capitalized on the poll like many urging republicans to mobilize now for a comeback we're the silent majority. We better quickly become the loud, noisy uh, majority that that literally tells government and corporations how we feel. We got to use boycotts, protests, civil disobedience and intimidation to steer the direction of America. And Donald Trump's on again off again political adviser Steve Bannon went even further, telling his audience that 20,000 shock troops will be needed To save the country. The thing they fear is the righteous indignation of the working class in this country. And now they're seeing it. And that's why they're in meltdown. We're winning big in 2022. We're going to win big in 2024. We need to get ready now, right? We control this country. We got to start acting like it. And one way we're going to act like it, we're not going to have 4,000 ready to go. We're going to have 20,000 ready to go. More cautious Republican voices here spent the week not embracing a fresh insurrection, but striving to put the January 6th attack on Capitol Hill in their rearview mirror. Mike Pence, Donald Trump's vice president, may be the last man in America who believes he's got a crack at winning the keys to the Oval Office himself. But preparing for a presidential run, he took to Fox News this week to insist that even talking about the moment that Republican conspiracy theorists were marauding through the halls of Congress, threatening to hang him... Is all just media tittle tattle? I know. I know the media wants to distract from the Biden administration's failed agenda by focusing on one day in January. They want to use that one day wow. to try and demean uh, the, the the character and intentions of 74 million Americans who believed we could be strong again and prosperous again and supported our administration in 2016 and in 2020, but. For our part, I I truly believe we all ought to remain completely focused on the future. Just a reminder, they erected a gallows on the Capitol grounds as they hunted for him inside the congressional building. If Republicans are energized by Joe Biden's failings, Democrats are similarly inspired by what will definitely be a central issue in next November's midterm elections and beyond. (laughs) With chants of my body, my choice, hundreds of thousands of abortion rights activists took to the streets of America last weekend. The focus of their protests, the so-called heartbeat law in Texas. It's the most restrictive abortion law in the country, outlawing the practice after a fetal heartbeat is first detected, normally around the six-week mark. Many women aren't even aware at that stage that they're pregnant. There are no exceptions made, even for cases of rape and incest, and the law empowers private citizens to launch civil lawsuits against anyone they suspect of playing any role in an abortion after the six-week stage. Give a pregnant friend a lift to an abortion clinic, any of the thousands of Christian conservative activists in Texas can sue you in court. On Wednesday night, a federal judge blocked the law, but abortion rights activists in the Lone Star State like Caroline Dubel know that's only the start of the
2: This is just the very early stages of what will be a long and vicious court battle.
0: Um, We expect this to go all the way to the Supreme Court. Our current federal judiciary reflects the former President Trump you know, who had the intention of banning abortion permanently. High stakes for America. They'll be playing out throughout 2022. There were two kinds of political books being promoted here this week. The ones you don't need to bother reading, like the memoir of proven liar Stephanie Grisham, President Trump's former press secretary. And then there are the ones you should devour as quickly as possible.
1: I had entered uh, the um, administration at the request of, you know, people behind the scenes to try to tackle the um, after effects of the influence operation that the Russians had launched against us in 2016. The
0: Bishop Auckland tones of one of the few standouts in the Trump administration, Fiona Hill, a former top official on the National Security Council, and in the interests of full disclosure, a good friend of mine. You'll never meet anyone with a better understanding of Russia, Vladimir Putin, and the former Soviet space. Her memoir is not just about surviving the maelstrom she encountered in the Trump White House, and then testifying about it At the former president's impeachment hearings, it is a clarion warning about the dangers facing American society as it becomes dominated by misinformation, populism and sometimes downright stupidity. She spoke this week to The Washington Post.
1: There was, um, I think, you know, a strong shared consensus that as one very prominent person put to me, you know, uh, during a private moment that the republic was in trouble. And we all had to pull together to do what we could without any fanfare, without drawing attention to ourselves, but just to do what we possibly could to head off what was um, a real disaster that was produced domestically, not from overseas. And and again, Trump is a symptom. He's not the cause of many of the things uh, that we saw. And while we were so fixated on what the Russians were doing or not doing, we were neglecting the kind of scrutiny that we needed to, to have on the domestic problems in the United States. So we really need to bring ourselves back to home.
0: There's plenty in her book about the choices Britain faces as well. In a statement last night, Donald Trump called her a deep state stiff and a total con job. Given that on at least one occasion he thought she was a typist, not the country's leading expert on Russia, he may not be an authority on the subject. Nor indeed on the role women more generally played this week, Tom, in the debate over whether America is capable of saving itself. With his American Week, LBC's inimitable, Simon Marks.